Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, Father Chuck Simple is back in the studio. We're going to talk about the docility to do God's will, which is not always easy. <laughs> I have Dr. Chris Bergwald sitting across me, and he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's actually, um, we're in March now, and that's kind of a, a theme we're going to be hitting for March a little bit, is trust in God and docility to his will. So it's a really good interview. Hope you'll stick around. Father Simple's always fun and always has great things to say. So first, we're going to have some biblical bites with the, as aforementioned, lovely Dr. B. Wow, she's adding on. At least the, the aforementioned. Are you just trying to kill time or something? No. I don't know. Okay. Trying to take up all your time. <laughs> um, hi, Renee. Hi. What's today, Renee? I hope it's the second Sunday. You are correct, Okay, Renee. good. Yeah, we're doing a lot with the Sunday... <gasps> We're doing a lot ahead, and so it's getting confusing as to which Sunday it is. So do you remember last Sunday, of course, being the first Sunday of Lent? Right, Uh, Do you remember what the gospel reading was? Uh, It was the— Hold hold that thought. Elise, do you perchance remember (laughs) last Sunday's gospel reading? (laughs) It's the one that always happens. Correct. It does (laughs) always happen. She remembered that. The first Sunday of Lent. And— we, do you remember the desert? There's a desert. Yes, yes. And we're getting Jesus getting tempted. Yes, there you yes. Go. There we go. She I got know. there. That was good job. Yeah. So yeah, every every lens. So she she actually you recalled the first thing you named was the thing I want to emphasize. Every we talked about this last week. Every first Sunday of Lent, we get the temptation narrative. Right. Every second Sunday of Lent, oh. <laughs> we get the same gospel narrative. Really? Okay. Let me think. I asked Elise for What would it last be? Week. Mm. You, you, you probably be a little surprised. Like you, you prodigal, oh, yeah. prodigal son or something no, like that? No, no, that no that fits in this this you're like, wait, what land? What's going on here, church? I don't understand. Oh, okay. I don't know. Transfiguration. That's right. Should have known that from what we're I know, on. I know. That's um, why I say I knew that when I uh, just. I, I didn't say that to communications. You guys <laughs> arrived at that yourself. Yeah, maybe. It is weird that that's. Is it weird that that's in Lent? It's a little. Uh, I think the popular conception of what Lent is, it does not quite fit. But okay, the, I see it. Well, I don't want to talk about the transfiguration today. But okay. uh at the end of the, after the transfiguration, as they're coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the son of man has been raised from the dead. So mm-hmm. I think the church gives it to us just as a reminder. Now kind of we're, we're out of the gate right. in terms of Lent. We're second Sunday of Lent. We're a week and a half into Lent. Um, it's just a reminder as we're going through our own desert experience. Mm. Remember, remember transfiguration, remember resurrection. Um, so there's another side. It's a little reminder. Okay. A little reminder. That's okay. what I think. But I want to focus on the first reading, which is from Genesis chapter one, chapter 12, sorry. Chapter 12 verses one through four. The Lord God, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that we there so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the communities of the earth shall find blessing in you. Abram went as the Lord directed him. So I, I love this gospel reading. Um, 
School of Missionary Discipleship is one of the initiatives. That reading reading? That was not a good Not the gospel reading. That first reading. Yeah. Thank you. Genesis reading. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I love this reading. Uh, I talked about it just a few weeks ago in the School of Missionary Discipleship um, because, so I, was Abraham Jewish? Um, I guess I would say no because the Jewish faith didn't, well, did it really exist yet? What do you mean? I mean, it's, this, is the, this is the Bible. Well, I would I would say no, and I don't know why. You are correct. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, Johnny. I get nothing. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the Jews are descendants of the tribe of Judah. Right. Judah is the great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's fourth son is Judah, okay. from whom the 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 Jews descend. Um, so Abraham is the great patriarch who he's not Jewish because Judaism doesn't exist right. yet. He's from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is down basically the Persian Gulf today. He's basically a modern day Iraqi. Oh, okay. And the Lord calls this man um, to, so the, the Lord somehow reveals himself to Abram and says, I want you to leave your home leave everything you know with your family. And, and, and Abram was wealthy. He had servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a good number of possessions, which have been cattle, livestock, sure. and camels and so on. Um, but go somewhere that I will. So it's like you're walking along one day and suddenly this deity reveals himself to you and says, hey, I, uh, I want you to leave everything you know and, and yeah, bring your household and your possessions um, and go to go somewhere I'll, I'll show you. And Abraham says, okay. <laughs> He's called our father in faith for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I lo- there's so much more that we could say, but the, I love the fact that Abram, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He tries to uh, take matters into his own hands, but he is faithful when God reveals himself to him and he's obedient to the Lord, just as you and I should be. Very good stuff, Dr. B. Thanks a lot. You bet. We have Father Chuck Simple back in the studio with us today. He's, as that music's playing, he's really enjoying the music. So. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I like music a lot. <laughs> Thanks for coming back in. So Yes, glad we're gonna, to be here. We are going to talk about an interesting topic in this episode. We're going to talk about docility to God's will and trust. Um, we're we're going to be heading into Lent here, or we might already be in Lent by the time this airs. So I feel like this actually plays into um, Lent quite a bit. Uh, well, just our lives as Catholics. So sure. I'm be curious to see where this goes. Okay. I think Father Simple is too. <laughs> yes, I am too. <laughs> okay. So um, will you kind of talk about what docility to God's will or surrender, if, mm-hmm. if docility is a word that isn't super familiar, it's very much like surrender. Um, can you talk just in a general sense? What What is that? Sure. Well, I think you always have to begin with, uh, you know, something that's kind of related to it and, and very much related to it, and that's free will. Mm. And so uh, one of my most favorite psalms in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, is Psalm 8, where it talks about the glory of God creating us as human beings, a little less than the angels, but God created us as the summit of all creation, mm-hmm. is the creation of man and woman. 
And so we are created in God's image, and yet we have free wills. That's one of the powers that God, in his powerfulness, gave to us that we have free wills to choose Mm -hmm. and make decisions, which we all know. And so we're not like puppets in the hands of God or just being told this is what we God wants to do with us, but we have a free will to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And so docility or surrender to what God's will is for us is kind of an interesting thing to think Mm -hmm. about because how does that coincide with free will? In other words, how does God work with us still knowing that we have free will and yet has a design or plan that's somehow in our lives? And again, we can kind of think about people in the past, especially people in the scriptures that had to do that. And in many of them, at least the most important ones, often were at least given direction by God through Ah, a messenger or an angel, (laughs) which would have been helpful if we wanted to know exactly what God wanted us to do. Right. So we look at the case of Gabriel coming to Mary, and we look at even Joseph getting indications in dreams. Mm -hmm. and, and, And so... Again, sometimes, you know, the scriptures is pointing out things to us, but still what they indicate is that these people, even those that had messages that were probably more direct than most of us get, were still given the opportunity to make free will choices. They still had that as human beings because they were human beings. Mm -hmm. And even in the case of Jesus, whose will aligned totally with the creator, God, Father, he still had that openness as we hear in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's mm-hmm. not my will, but your will, O Lord God, be done. And so even in that, in the case of Jesus, there's that indication where the will of him and the will of God the Father are connected. Yeah. And so in our lives, there is that, I, I, we, I believe we learn from them, is that openness to God's grace to help us in our decisions, in our free will, to make the best choices that we can. In order to do that, we have to open our hearts to what necessarily isn't what we always want, Mm -hmm. but what we think would be the best for us through God's help and through God's grace. Right. So I feel like one of the things that if we're going to— be docile to God's will. If we're going to say, okay, I'm going to go do this thing that God's asking me to do. We ha- There's something that has to come first. We have to trust him and that he knows what's best for us. So how do we do that? <laughs> well, I think it's a process. It's not something that we just, you know, get right away. It's right. a process of like in any of our formations of anything that we do in ours, we're being formed as young people and as, as infants all the way up through when, we're old enough to make our own decisions. There's that process of of how we have that instilled in us through the help of moms and dads and others and that uh, see an openness to what God is working with us. And we see it in other people too. I mean, so we learn from examples of mm-hmm. others that, that uh, follow God's will or God's path, or and they might not talk about it in those direct terms, but mm-hmm. something in them, um, made them as they made their choices to marry this person or to do with a certain career. Uh, there was an openness that was there when they made that decision to say, hey, this is what I want to do, and I think this is what God wants me to do in right. this life. Right. 
So you hinted at something uh, in the beginning there um, uh, about doing things our own way. So, and I think it, it feels like in the world today, this idea of surrender is really tough for us because we all want to do whatever we want to do. That's pretty much our culture at this point. Mm-hmm. So how, uh, why have we moved into that direction? Because I, I would say, well, maybe I'm wrong because I didn't live a hundred years ago, but you know, in the past, it hasn't been quite as much that way. You were, there's more religiosity in the world and so on. We've moved in a totally different direction. So how have we gotten there? What What is it that's causing people to want to do their own thing rather than follow the will of God, do you think? Well, I, I suppose there could be a variety of uh, reasons for that. You know, certainly I think as we even have seen in our uh, culture and, and kind of the breakdown of family structures mm-hmm. and family life, and also uh, it, just with the evolution of things, uh, the evolution of opportunities is is somewhat mm. different. You know, when we look at a, a real agrarian agricultural communities that were there probably a century or so ago, where people grew up on farms or smaller communities, and and uh, there was just uh, there wasn't uh, there wasn't all the opportunities given to out there. And of course, just the influx of social media yeah. and uh, the influx of what's penetrating into us from outside sources that is so different than even not that long ago, right. you know, where 20, people, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, that just has become such an influence on, especially younger people who are getting this at an early age and looking at things and, and even probably even questioning the whole idea of just religion and, and spirituality so the basics are being undercut by that because they just say, uh, I don't know if it's all true. If it's, right. this is the, they hear so many things that are contrary to the way most of us grew up uh, a couple of decades ago where we didn't really have those sorts of questions because we just, this was not part of what we thought about. It was right. just that this is the way it is. Right. Um, okay. So some good examples for us, as you mentioned, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, um, some people might say, well, Mary was without sin, so it was easy for her. But she really did have a choice yes. there. Um, and Jesus, I think, sets, even though he's God and he's going to follow the will of the Father, he really uh, put out the example of how to do the thing that God's asking you to do, even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had to like show people that as it, in your priesthood? Have you um, have you had to use that at any point with people? Do you think? Well, I think first of all, yeah. Sometimes they think, like you said, that those people had advantages. Mm-hmm. But uh, the scriptures, at least in regard to Mary, of course, we know with Jesus being totally God and totally a person, a human being. Mm-hmm. But you know, in most cases, they what Mary, especially, the indication is that she was full of grace. Of course, as you said, without sin, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that's where it really begins with us when we can tie into what God's grace is. And when there is a grace in our life, even though it's not going to be perfect, like it was apparently for Mary, but when it's in our lives, when we start opening our hearts to that grace through our relationship with the Lord, then it becomes a possibility to see what we can do to interact with God's plan, God's design and ours. Right, right. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Father Chuck Simple about um, 
surrender to God's will or docility, as you might hear it called. Um, okay, so <laughs> I often pray for to be able to understand what God's will is for me and then to desire it. But how do we, if we're asking, if we want to hear it and understand what God's will is for us, um, is there a way to actually, can we do that? Like, is God telling us what, and we're just not hearing it a lot of the time? Are there ways that you've seen him, maybe even in your own life, tell him, tell you what his will is for you? Uh Yes, I think we can get some indications. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, you know, I again I I go back to the free will thing mm-hmm. because that's an important concept for us all. And so sometimes, if if we, you know, some people and probably we've noticed this in ourselves sometimes and other people, they we approach it like uh, like we're martyrs, like uh, <laughs> oh God, why did you want me to go through this? Sure, and, uh, you know, whether it's an illness issue or. Uh, relationship issue or whatever. So we almost kind of have like a martyrdom complex. Mm -hmm. Like God's really must be punishing me because of something I did or if I didn't do something right or whatever it is. And sometimes we get pretty stoic about it too. Like um, uh, I'm not really happy about this, but this is what apparently God wants. And so, and uh, you know, sometimes that's happened. I've sensed that more in marriages, uh, sometimes Uh in priests too. Mm -hmm. But they'll come to me, you know, saying, uh, you know, I married this woman or this man. I don't really think it was the right decision, but I did it. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of going to go through the motions with it. And so, you know, there's indications where people uh, think about the decisions they made and wondering how it tied into uh, what God wanted and mm-hmm. then how they respond to that. So um, it kind of varies uh, in, in what people a sense out of it, and then what, how they live it out. Right. I imagine we can use some discernment tricks, um, which I've read a little bit about. In fact, when I, when I was having to decide whether or not to uh, stay as the director of the department, I went through some discernment steps sure. to try to figure out, okay, is this really what God uh, wants me mm-hmm. to be in? Um, you and I hadn't talked about this beforehand, so I may be throwing something at you that, but I know there's some Ignatian discernment that can be used. Uh, do you, can you describe some of that at all? Yeah, it's, you know, again, it, it, that's uh, the ways that would people kind of use not only from their backgrounds or what they're in their life before, but also uh, often tying it into particular scripture passages. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's not really a lot of text a lot of scripture. Right. It's just like a certain text that we may tie into and keep reflecting on. And uh, as the Ignatian method was to keep on reflecting and then probably with the help of a spiritual mm-hmm. advisor or director who keeps on then listening to us, but then draws it to, it sometimes seems a bit repetitive, but going <laughs> through the same thing, the same process can help us kind of dig deeper into our heart and mind about what really uh, is, what this really means to us. So right. it's uh, it, it's it's not necessarily a hard process. It's just kind of the way that we would give our time, give ourselves the time to do it and to reflect, so that there's that openness to that those graces, even in a repetitiveness of a of going over and praying over a passage time mm-hmm. and time again. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a spiritual director might be very helpful. It is. I know a lot of lay people. It's a lot of laity don't have that opportunity, like priests or right. sisters or you know people that can have that. But 
It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a person that's uh, accredited so much. So it, sometimes people just have a really good friend oh, uh, sure. that's, you know, not just one that's going to just be there to, to compliment them, but also one that can challenge them right. and they still appreciate it. So I think if you have somebody like that, that's, you're honest with, usually it isn't necessarily your own husband or wife, or, right. but it's a, a real a friend of yours that, you know, you it probably had a lot of time with and had some experiences with that they can then kind of look at your life too and say, okay, you know, why'd you do that? Why'd you make that decision? Mm -hmm. and, and then help you to kind of, as you prepare for other decisions to help you kind of process it because we can get into our own little patterns and just not really see things from somebody looking at it more objectively as they're listening to us and say, okay, this is, you know, you're missing this point right. or whatever. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, that you can, some priests are available for spiritual direction yes. uh, for lay folks. Uh, not, not all of them, but some of them are. Um, but if you do use a friend or someone, sometimes it helps to have someone who's maybe a little bit further down the road in their faith than you are who can kind of guide. They don't have to be perfect by any means, and very right. few of us are, but right. don't have to be a priest. So um, so as we approach Lent uh, and or, or are in Lent, um, I mentioned that this sometimes can help. Uh, so how does trust and surrender play into things like prayer and fasting and almsgiving, which are huge themes during Lent? Yes, I think all those things are helpful to us, and we always get this kind of springtime retreat that the church gives us every year to help us with that. And those three things that the church points out on Ash Wednesday as we get the uh, beginning of Lent, certainly uh, prayer. Uh, and again, a lot of times we, uh, people in the world uh, that are, you know, not priests or sisters or, or retired like myself, <laughs> but have a little more time, but it doesn't necessarily take a, a large quantity of time. It's right. just that quality time that even if it's a few minutes before we begin a day, it, it, whether it's while we're getting ready, if we can just say, hey, you know, Lord, open my heart to what this day brings. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that examine that kind of looks at our day and says what things didn't really click so well and what things did and mm -hmm. kind of those blessings and then the other things that, that weren't there that, uh, you know, that we know we, if we had to redo it, we could, we'd have done it better or made better decisions or choices or whatever. Right. So that's true. And then uh, certainly when we, I think all the time when we can think about getting out of ruts uh, when, or just centering on selfishness, the only way that that's so, sort of ceases in our lives is when we get to be more generous. Mm -hmm. So whether it's through our almsgiving, it doesn't necessarily mean the money part, but right. just volunteering. Uh, uh, most every place has some things in the church or in our communities that just help us to reach out to other people. And when we start centering on that, our selfishness uh, kind of goes away because we start thinking about others. And right. so the almsgiving is really a, a great way that we continue to do that in the ways that we, and sometimes through our sacrifices too, mm -hmm. that we uh, give up of certain things to kind of help us keep, kind of think about um, what things that really kind of become too much in our lives, yeah. whether it's food, drink, yeah. uh, sometimes the way we talk, whatever it is we're working on, you know, yeah. and a number of people still use that as a, as a time when they kind of reflect upon the things that they want to improve in their lives, mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually. And uh, sometimes just that fasting can be a good way of us to say, Hey, you know, 
uh, I got to think of my priorities and what really right. uh, what really I need to do in life. Right, and maybe even fast from some things that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God and right. hearing His will for you. Yes, I would think I, I can think of a couple myself. TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, I think people, you know, and even the, the like I said, most of us are uh, social media has become. Oh, you yeah. know, you just have to go out to a restaurant. You see, most people are on their phones, not mm-hmm. even interacting with each other. And if you're going in an airport now, nobody is looking at anything but their phones. Right. Or even, yeah, that's one thing that always bothers me when you say that, like even when you're walking and people don't even look at other people anymore, no. which I think is really a disservice to each other right. to not recognize people in your, in your circle. Um, okay. Are there, uh, you know what? We only have a couple minutes and this mm-hmm. was a question I really wanted to ask you. You weren't sure how you're going to answer. So I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have obviously, you became a priest, so you, you were docile to God's will that way. But what other ways in your life, have, especially after becoming a priest, have you seen that or do you know that you had to do that? Well, that the, get back to the priesthood thing. So I, sometimes it, this is where, you, you know, I, for myself, I often think, would have God been as happy with me as Chuck creating me through the help, of course, of my mom and dad, if I wouldn't have been a priest. Mm. And my answer to that is, yes, yeah. he would be, because he gave me a free will. Mm-hmm. And so could I have been happily married? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that God said, the only way Chuck is going to be happy is by being a priest. Mm-hmm. I think that there was, has to be an openness to holiness and how that holiness is the most important thing of getting to have heaven. And so how that holiness factors in and openness to that holiness makes then the decisions easier. Right. And more in line of what God wants us to be as holy people. Yeah, yeah. So during the priesthood, yeah, there's always times, you know, as uh, because we take the uh, vow of obedience to oh, the bishop right. and his successors, we always have that uh, openness to what the bishop as the church wants us to do, mm-hmm. which sometimes we say, Ooh, do I really want to take that period? Or do I want to do that? Or do you yeah. really mean I have to do this or that? Yeah. Well, that's part of that docility of the obedience of listening to the spirit that comes through now in our church, through the bishops, through the ways in which people work with us and then help us to understand why these decisions are being made. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that one. That's for sure. Whenever, you get a new assignment. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, cause uh, you do have a choice to take the assignment or not, at least to a degree, depending a degree, on what it is. But yeah. The, we still take the vow of obedience. Right. Right. Yeah. So most priests will say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yep. And then they're happy to do it. Sort of. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes, of course, always. Oh, okay. <laughs> Depends on the priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father Simple, we are out of time. Thanks for coming in and talking about to us about kind of a difficult topic. Um, uh, you picked it. I just want you to remember that. Oh, I did. <laughs> but you I did, did great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I hope you have a great Lent and a beautiful Easter. I'm sure you'll be, maybe we'll see you at Holy Spirit. I'm not sure uh, what your schedule will bring you, but maybe you'll get to yeah, hang out with us a little bit. Yeah, around town in the area, so you never know. Yeah. We're yeah. all up here. Yeah, great. Thanks right. for being here. Always great to be here. Thank yeah, you. you bet. All right, if you haven't found us on social media yet, you can always find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and of course at Rumble at SF Diocese Anytime. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.